Welcome to the Blooming League of Original Podcasts. G'day and welcome to Thrash and Treasure, the torture chamber musical podcast that needlessly pits heavy metal versus musical theatre in literally the stupidest podcast nobody has ever heard of. Speaking of stupid nobodies, I'm Aaron, your host for today, and I'm joined at the hip, as usual, by my unusually unhip co-host, Gareth. How are you? Good, thanks? Yeah, I'm great. You're great? I'm great yep. for an unusually unhip person. You know I don't mean it. No, I'm, I'm really not hip. Totally. It's, I'm okay with not being hip. Yeah, that's yep. right. I've seen you dance, and I've seen those shorts <laughs> you wear. And those legs in those shorts that it's you choose to wear. Around Stonehenge, yeah, that was a highlight. Yeah, so have you still got your beard? Yeah. Yeah, you do. Still here. Well, I'm wearing a shirt for you today. It's my Land of the Long White Cloud. Oh, kia ora. Because you're looking all fluffy and bearded. So this, I got this from New Zealand. I, I took a 90-year-old around Wellington. Oh. Don't ask me why her family and friends trusted me with this woman to take her around Wellington. But I got her back safely. A little bit hilly around Wellington. Well, she didn't want to go into a strip club, so I was so disappointed. <laughs> I really was, but I took her to McDonald's. I took okay. her to McDonald's. So that's what you got to do with a 90-year-old. you got to treat mm. them to McDonald's. Mm. Them and children. Um, I'm yeah. still the same weight that I was in episode 20, even though it's sometime later. Uh, so hopefully when I'm listening back on this, I am actually looking human and not skeletal. Well, I gained um, five kilos in my sleep, so there you go. Did you? Oh, I'm no. so jealous. I wish I had your discipline. <laughs> Alrighty. But anyways, I think we should move on. I, I Ooh, really don't think there's... Please move on. Last week's episode, how fantastic was that? What an yeah. absolute honour it was to have a Broadway legend on our stupid little show. It was. Absolutely amazing. But anyways, oh boy, guess what? What? I am absolutely thrilled to introduce today's extra, extra special guest. Let's rock and roll back to 1994, where nine-year-old me sat propped up on a booster seat in the stalls, watching this man rave on as Buddy Holly in the legendary rock star's biographical musical Buddy. And within three months, I had signed myself up secretly for theatre school, which I didn't actually tell my parents until the day before it started, which was nine months later. So in that time, we like moved house and everything, and I knew I'm going to theatre school. No one else knew. I was so excited, though just to to be able to to live out my dreams from watching Rocky Horror and, and all these pantomimes as a child. But anyways, it's not about me. In 1997, he popped up again as Oscar in today's Chosen Musical, where 12-year-old me copped an absolute eyeful and learned exactly what a dance hall hostess is. But again, it's not about me. Since inspiring my younger self, he has gone on to a vast career on stage, off stage, on screen and off, where he has been an actor, singer, director, producer, writer, butcher, baker and candlestick maker. (laughs) And now he can add Torture Chamber Victim to his many roles. Mm. Please give the warmest g'day to Mr. Jeremy Stanford. Welcome to the Torture Chamber. How are you doing? Thank you. That was a very lovely introduction. It is such an honor. Thank you for for saying yes to this ridiculous invite that came out of nowhere on Facebook. So it's um, (laughs) a pleasure. 
probably wouldn't remember this, you've done so much theatre, but as I say, seeing that show, seeing all the... I had seen cardboard cutouts on stage before that. I had seen pantomimes and, and men dressed up as, as the mum and the witch. And I thought that's what theatre was, right? And also with Rocky Horror. And then I go and see this show where things are flying off all these billboards and, and your little studio that popped up from the, the stage and, and the whole winter dance party and, and all that, which I actually have that flyer from the program for the winter oh. dance party. Look at that. Which I don't Amazing. know. Some Do you child. Know what, I've been looking for that because. Oh, really? It's been ruined. Uh, yesterday I got the sad news that Doug Parkinson passed away. Oh, really? And he oh, in the show for, God, must have been 18 months. And so we have a little Facebook, you know, message group between the, the cast of the show that were yeah. in it, you know. <laughs> Showing me that was amazing because I was, oh, wow. I was trying to find it because I got a photo of me and Doug on it. And, and we've all been messaging each other and everyone's very sad that for the loss of Doug Parkinson. Telling lots of stories about him and, you know, so we've kind of all gathered around the memory of Doug the last couple of days, which has been um, quite, quite special. He was a very special man. We loved yeah, him. Very I'm, much. I'm so sorry for your loss. And, mm. and I'm so glad I found it then. Cause I can't actually find the program that itself is, is boxed away somewhere. I, I found most of my programs and, and all the nerdy stuff I kept, but some child, I don't know if it was me or the nephew has written a 10 on it. So it's ruined. Well, it's a, it's a good rating. At least it was a 10, not a three. <laughs> Yes, true. But I, I could. I don't know if it was me because I was nine when I saw this, uh, and it was on the return tour. I wasn't um, sort of in, in your initial run in '91, um, right? And that's why I think Dad took me to see it. And sort of my dad's that very stoic British father. Uh, I grew up, you know, sort of with a Navy father, so he he wasn't very let's go out partying all the time or let's go do this and do that. So taking me to the theatre always stuck out in my memory because why did he do that? Because it was Buddy Holly. That's why he was seventeen. Uh, in 59 when Buddy Holly died so that was ah, his right. yeah that yeah. was his big rock star and and I think that that probably put him in a bad mood for the rest of his life I'm thinking uh, but <laughs> anyway well, that's not, another story I had, a, I had a friend too who um, was a huge fan of Buddy Holly and he was old enough to remember him coming out on tour and he refused oh, to come wow. and see me in the show because he didn't want his memory of, of Buddy to be <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I was going to ruin it, but it was certainly going to change his memory of the, of the, the gig that he saw back when he was, you know, a teenager. Yeah. Oh goodness oh, gracious dear. me! But uh, just on, still on Buddy, because um, obviously we're not here to talk about Buddy today. But for my own personal curiosity, with that hiccup in his voice, what sort of uh, what you mean is the uh, hey hey yes hey hey yeah look I mean he does that's, it so that's naturally actually, yeah just a classic kind of uh, Western little hiccup that he put. Mm into his voice and added it to rock and roll. It's kind of what, what he was amazing for was taking uh, all sorts of elements of music and adding it to his own particular recipe of rock and roll. So <laughs> that was one thing that he added that um, made him quite different to other rock and rollers at the time. Yep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and a huge, huge fan of him and his music. Do you like him, Gareth? Yeah. Everyone I like, I look, yeah, you you, yeah. you kind of have to if you if you like rock music, that's that's where it all began. Yeah, um, he's the yeah, it was it was Buddy Holly and it was um, yeah. yeah Little Richard and and yeah. yeah. Little segue here, but yeah. Rush have been Rush without Buddy Holly because Buddy Holly really was the first white guy that put together a rock and roll band that consisted of just drums, bass, and guitar. Yeah, and that's what Rush yeah. is. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. Yep. Yeah, no, I am. Um, 
And then, it's sorry, go. That's my my favorite instruments. What do you say? That's all you need. Honestly, yeah. that's all you, all you need, need in a rock band. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. A good a good lead player, fantastic bass player, and a great drummer. Yes. Anyways, we should move on because we've just mentioned anyway. Rush. Oh, speaking of, also Gareth, I got a mug with your name on it today. I have to turn it around. It's Buffhead. <laughs> Nice. Thank you. I also got a can of Coke, which I think I've put in the recycling already. That said Buffhead. I meant to keep oh, it to, to do mm. the double whammy on you. But okay, um, thanks for that. My, but my Coke has my name on it, and it says Angel. Mm, I just have water. Do you? Oh, good. Anyways, yes. Now, let's move on. You should. This week, Jeremy picked our metal album. And, yeah. Uh, yes, so would you like to tell everyone what you put me through this week? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, when you said you guys do metal on the show, I was like, well, what... I'm not a huge metal fan, but uh, as a teenager, you know, there was some really interesting hard rock that I liked, you know, obviously Led Zeppelin, but Rush was something that was really quite different. And I, I don't know whether you'd put them into the prog rock category or the heavy metal category, but uh, they definitely had metal overtones, and so I thought I'd I'd um, I'd put them in. Yeah. But there's some su- superb Rush albums, and my favourite one was Farewell to Kings. So I put that one into you guys. I, I see the Who as proto punk, sort of prototype punk, uh, and I kind of heard proto metal in this. Is that a thing? I have no idea. Metal is not my genre. I am learning here. Pro- well, proto metal is now a thing, and that's what I am calling Rush. <laughs> So we've now coined I'll, that phrase. I'll, I'll let Getty Lee know that um, it's, all, it's all changed. Oh, I love her photos. Those babies are so cute. <sighs> Get on with oh. it. What did you think? None of my jokes land with you. No. Worst audience ever. No, that ever. did. It just wasn't funny. There's a difference. Really? Yeah. Oh, God, fathers. Anyway. Right. Maybe I should test my material on children then. Maybe then you'll laugh. Anyways, we'll move on. Would you like to hear my review? Because I listen to this album a lot Mm. and I have hopefully written the stupidest review I have ever written. Okay. And now I'm going to perform it. When I first saw the cover, it told me to rush, so I did, and I hurried to press play. And before I did, I noticed the song list, and upon seeing track two, I was all like, oh no, she's an do. So anyways, remembering to rush, I pressed play and instantly the fumes hit my nostrils and I was like, yeah... But I wanted to keep a clear mind, and as track two started, my eyes glazed over, and I was like, Santa dude, my head's spinning, man. I was having a ball, man. I was like, high up above the pumpkin patch. Yeah. Cinderella, man, that's no slip up. Wait, where was I? <laughs> Oh, Madrigal, man. Madrigal, man. Like, but, like, mm. where's the other voices? Like, why so many instruments, man? Too many instruments, man. Like, Madrigal, Madrigal, Like, stop. Like, where's the decapitation? It's not a Madrigal without, like, <laughs> decapitation. <laughs> like, has anyone else got the munchies? This music's making me. Oh, shit, man. Where was I? I don't know about this, man, dude. Signet X1, book one. Nah, man. I'll wait for the movie. But, like, this music's, like, 
Yeah, man. That's some good shit. Four stars. Wow. <laughs> You're right. I have never acted stone in my life. I don't think you still haven't acted stone, to be honest. So Yeah, no, I like this. This was a good psych- I, I I'm a huge <laughs> Jefferson Airplane fan. Oh, what? It's not even in the same league. No, no. What? Let me get to my point. All right. You always, cu- you always think the worst of me. <laughs> if you said Jefferson Airplane. Sorry. Yes. Have you heard much of their stuff beyond Somebody to Love? Well, they kept, cha- they kept changing their name. Well, okay. Had a no, prop failure. Change their lineup and change their name. You, anyways, but they are psychedelic. This felt like I don't know if it sort of felt very vanilla to me in a way. I, I really enjoyed wow. it. I, I I did. I listened to this album maybe twenty times. Okay. Um, and there's some really good songs on there. I didn't obviously. Mm. I, I I. Anyways, mm. um, yeah. No, so I I called it vanilla psychedelia. Wow. Okay. Does that offend all the Rush fans out there? I reckon you'd, uh, you'd, you'd cause a bit of ire from some of the Rush fans by calling them vanilla. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, think, I, I actually think they might beat a path to your door, Aaron. Mm. I, um, I'm 46 I'm, kilograms, so if they want to come at me, <laughs> good luck. To, like, they've got, they're going to flick me and I'm going to fall over. So it's really yep. not going to satisfy yep. them at all. Really? This is one of, it's hard to pick a great Rush album because they change so much during, um, during their career. I like Madonna. And they are, they're, you know, they're prog, they're prog rock. Absolutely. Proto metal. They probably influence more metal bands than, you know, or as many metal bands than anyone else. Um, and Farewell to Kings is one of my, yeah, when this came up, I thought, yep, this is my stuff. This is my music. It, you know, there's some great, there's some great tracks on there. Um, you know, Cinderella Man's amazing. Um, the opening track is just, just kind of sets the tone for the whole album. Um, Neil Pert, who we lost um, recently, sadly, oh. that guy was, you know, he was known as the drummer's drummer. You've got to tell me when we've lost someone when I'm about to review their music, Gareth. We <laughs> well, went through this you know, the other week when I was devastated. It was a few years ago now. Oh, okay, that's when I say recently, okay. look, when oh. I say recently it's like... Jesus you know, Christ, you give me a heart attack. We're all sort of, we're all waiting for one more tour and... Um, yeah, and that was the end of it. But you know, and you add when you when you talk about guitars, bass, and drums, you the rhythm section of Rush, Getty Lee and, and Neil Peart. Um, I could listen to Getty Lee play bass. I could just tune everything. I could shut everything else out and just listen to his bass lines. Um, this was a um, you know, in nineteen seventy seven, they were kind of in that era. There was there was lots of experimentation going on, and you know, yeah. Zeppelin was out there doing crazy things, and you know, there's this band from Canada that came along and yeah, pretty much blew blew the roof off everything. And, yeah, they're a real. They're a kind of a, a musician's band, I think. As well, yeah, yeah. They go through so many time signatures throughout a song that it's it's almost hard to understand what they're doing at some stages because they're just really swinging out in all kinds of ways. But it, it all fits together. All because they're such great players, it all tends to just yeah. meld. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's what that's what got me listening to them when I was fifteen or seventeen or whatever was yeah. that musicianship, incredible musicianship. Yeah, no, look, it's, I did really enjoy it, and which surprised me a little bit because I had heard of them for so long, uh, and maybe heard one or two songs. Uh, if you remember that TV show Chuck um, from about ten years ago. Um, an American show. Rush was, I think, specific in in one episode where the music played, and that was my only 
exposure to their music. Mm. Whereas I, I love The Who and I love Jefferson Airplane um, and sort of, you know, bands like that that have a Man for a Man. Mm. I, I love Man for a Man and The Kinks and stuff like that. And I would say that Rush is the next step towards mm. metal from that that group, that, yeah. that Brit pop, yeah. Um, yeah. that Brit invasion. They're one of those, Rush is one of those bands, if you're not a fan, you would have heard, you would have heard this, their music, their songs without knowing it was them. You said that about um, Black Sabbath. Did I? Yeah, okay. and I, I, just, I, I, I still don't know. Black but no, I, I don't, I can't pick any, the only Black Sabbath or Ozzy Osbourne song I know was the jazz cover they did on the Osbournes. I, I up until recently hadn't heard, <laughs> I'd gone well, 35 that, years so. without hearing Ozzy Osbourne, but knew that he I, bit the head off a freaking bat. I don't know, I reckon you probably did. Always know, knew who he was. So I, I, I don't know, I, I don't know how, so many bands, because I do love music and I have such a broad range of music, I don't know how many, so how so many bands or even solo singers have gotten past me over the years i guess it's just a family influence growing up that what they liked was what i was exposed to so have you seen because you watched you watch these sort of movies have you seen the movie megamind the animated movie yes we talked about this where black sabbath is in it well it's it's ozzy it's ozzy osbourne solo yeah crazy train yeah yeah no but i don't doesn't mean i'd recognized it enough to know like that's but that's what, I was, yeah, that's what I was saying about I was saying about Rush that you would have probably there's probably songs that you would have heard and you probably, just wouldn't. Yeah. Oh, as I say, I heard it in Chuck. It was used in Chuck. But I want to know why did he sound? Why does he sing in a British accent? Uh, well, he's Canadian. I know so. that doesn't mean he's British. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Racist. A, I don't hear a British accent. I heard a I, British I, accent. I don't, I don't think I heard a British accent either. Maybe I'm. <laughs> he's got. He has. Yeah, you know, Geddy Lee. He's got he's got a, a unique um, voice. And... Did. Maybe I'm affected by Halloween Town from last night with that fiddly do potatoes voice. Yeah, but he has he's got a very distinctive voice and some and sort of some quite interesting phrasing. But yeah, I I didn't get I never heard. I got I heard British. Okay. See, I always thought they were American for so long because you just assume everything's American when you you know when you're a kid and you hear rock music. So um, it, I think I, it probably took me five years to find out they were Canadian, and then it then it all clicked and went ah. Oh, that's why they're so good. That's why they're a bit out there. I was surprised when I read Canadian. Mm, okay. I was. No, I, I. Oh, okay. Cool. You know, we love our Canadians. We do. We do. Um, they're nice. They're nice people. But see, but close. You know, closer to the heart was a was a huge hit off this album because it was you know it was single friendly. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, that's the one that repeats that line over and over and over again. That did annoy me a little bit to hear that same line over and over again. <laughs> <What's>, <laughs> yeah. Which is really just my my problem because yeah. then I can listen to songs. Like um, Rihanna's You Got Love, which really has no lyrics at all, except, oh, sorry, We Found Love, which just repeats pretty much the same thing over and over again. Or Fatboy Slim, he repeats the same thing over and over again. I can still listen to that. If you you cut out all of the songs in history that repeated the same thing over and over, I think you'd probably halve the amount of how I know. I know. Pop musicians. I know. Because yeah, all the reprises in musical theatre and motifs yeah. that run through. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm a hypocrite. I know. I, I can think of myself. one in Rent. Actually, I'm gonna look it up just so that I, I'm not. Such without a... you, without you, without and it just, you. yes, and it just repeats the same. Without Gareth you. loved Rent. The wind blows. <laughs> without you, it's a hard song because it just. And repeats and repeats and repeats, but it's beautiful. But, I think yeah. beautiful. Yeah. It took probably about five or six years of hearing it so often for it to grow on me, but it, that mm. was my least favorite song um, upon seeing it um, originally and, and having the 
the cast album. But no, we we did rent recently, and <laughs> I was rent. I was certain Gareth's gonna love this. It's an mm. important story about AIDS and and artists struggling and and all this stuff that he he full on supports. Yes. And the horrible stuff that came out of his mouth, I was yeah. so so hurt for for well, weeks. I, I you couldn't ain't heard nothing yet. Couldn't it's believe it. room, right? I directed a production of it for Ballarat Performing Arts Academy. And, oh, yeah? you know, I, I absolutely love the show. But yeah. it's, you know, it was it went into production before it was really, really finished. So there's parts of it that probably need tweaking. and But it's still, when it's done well, and I think we did pretty well, yeah. It's a, it's a, I think it's a great show. Yeah. As I said, it's one of those shows that you can hear the cast are excited to be on stage. They want to be there they want to be belting this music out and it, you get that energy from them so absolutely well, I, anyway, I saw so. it i saw it on broadway back in 90s uh, well was it 96 and that would have been the original broadway cast too. it was the original broadway cast and it absolutely okay. blew my tiny mind i remember the lights going down we were in house seats because we um we won the lottery to get in and so yep. we we're in really good seats lights came down and uh the first song happened and it just i went it, the energy on stage and the kind of you know the sort of rage those kids were kind of yep. raging at aids and all that it was brilliant it just blew my mind um as things I've seen. it was uh, i i remember Gareth didn't even know that Larson had died before the preview started. So he's gone into this review scathingly. And yeah. Um, but I'm yes, not, no, it's. it's yeah. Okay. I'm not going to change my mind just because, you know, it would, someone died. I'm not going to go, oh, he's dead now. Okay. Then, you know, everything he did was wonderful. Anyway. No, but it adds a, a whole new layer to the show and what it's about in terms of yeah, no okay. day but today and, and grabbing life by the balls and, and all that. Jazz. Rent. Yeah. Rent was one of those shows. I've only ever heard the audio and the, and the you know, the soundtrack yep. and whatever. I think it, again, and I've said it so many times over this podcast, it's one of those, I think just only hearing it does it a complete disservice and i'm sure if i'd seen that instead of aladdin on broadway i would have uh, been far more far more impressed so um probably yeah yeah i think I've, if i actually if i'd seen anything other than aladdin on broadway i would have been impressed. <laughs> so I, I met it's funny i don't think i told you this aaron i met when i was in new york and we saw aladdin i, I was in um central park uh -huh. and there's these guys playing softball and we just we just kind of sat down next and wanted to watch the game. And this guy came up and just started chatting to us. And it turned out to be the cast of Dr. Zhivago, which was playing at the time. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we got chatting and he said, oh, have you seen any shows? And he said, yeah, yeah, saw, saw one the other day. He said, what did you see? And I said, Aladdin. And you could just see his face drop. And he's just yeah. like, oh. But they were, they were nice to us. Um, yeah. And then I think Dr. Zhivago had about another two months running. Um, yeah, didn't yeah, really didn't set the world long. on fire. But My wife know. did Dr. Zhivago here. Yeah, with yeah. Anthony Wallow. Yeah. That was the world premiere, I believe. Yeah. I actually really liked it. I saw it a few times, actually. And, yeah. and I thought it had, I mean, it was, again, it was a show that was still being honed. Like they were, the um, the music arranger would arrive at rehearsals with whole new pages, you know, to, to learn and to change. And everyone was like, oh, hang on, this wasn't what we had yesterday and yep. let's try this. And, um, so it was all still you know, being mucked around and I, but I still, I thought it was a, a terrific show. I really enjoyed it. It was well put together. I didn't say, I don't I, think I, I've seen it. I didn't it. see it, but the cast, the cast were lovely. They were, they were really nice. Well, that's all but, that's important. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That was it. And I, I kind of wish I'd, wish I'd seen it. But is that Jeremy, before we get 
too deep into anything. Is that normal for a a a, a Broadway production to literally after it's open to make changes and 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 that sort of thing and and shuffle things around? And it, it, not so much when it gets to Broadway, but prior to Broadway, they'll do what's called an out of town yeah. season yeah. And, and workshops and yeah, they'll workshop it. They'll try it out in in various different um locations outside outside new york you know it can be anywhere in the country actually yeah. um i bumped into a director that directed me in hello dolly and he was putting together a production of high society which is another show that i did but his production was different it was a completely different right to the yeah. one that i did but anyway they were they were workshopping it and then they were trying it out um in the provinces, you know, I can't remember where they were. And then if it goes okay, then they'll book a theatre in New York and put it on there. And once it's it's on Broadway, it kind of lives or dies by what happens with the reviews. Mm -hmm. And there's very few shows kind of survive bad reviews. But, but, I mean, interesting, recently um, uh, Eddie Perfect's show... um, Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice started not so good reviews, but... They whipped a few things around and they uh, they turned the season around. And but uh, unfortunately, the theatre, you know, if you if you don't do well in the first few weeks, the theatre just dumps you. So they'll take someone yeah. else. But they kind of got dumped, and then the show became a hit. And so they were sort of, I mean, and then COVID happened. So who yeah, knows? Beetlejuice might make another appearance on Broadway because it, it just became the sudden hit out of nowhere uh, and then they had to close to that so i think we're probably close the book on rush i think that was the success this week great success coming this summer winter spring or fall the first ever musical theater sitcom where you go behind the scenes of the latest west end show the fossey forest ballet Where's the important stuff? Aha! A thousand pound a week ensemble rate. Ah, that's what Mamma Mia likes. Starring Philip Joel and a West End cast featuring Carrie Alice, Darren Day, Louise Demon, and Oliver Saville, and more. It all started in 1987 when I was a jobbing actress working in a diner. Yeah, it's just I, I had a really bad experience when I was touring Australia with a wombat. Darling! How long have I been mentoring you? Three months? Two years. So, her name is Henrietta. The horse? Yes. I've managed to secure you an audition for the biggest, most innovative, and the latest show to be going into the West End. Joseph and his Technicolor Dreamcoat. Think more along the lines of Pant. Frozen. Watch this episode for the price of a coffee. Simply go to www.thefussyforestbelly.com. Any and all profits go back to theater charities, acting for others, and the theater's trust. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and you'll see a grown man in sparkly tights. Tight nights. Nice tights. Your guests, or my guests, seem to have better taste in music than you do, Gareth. Fancy that. (laughs) (laughs) Whoever saw that that. coming, you're okay with it? You know, I'm absolutely fine with it too. It's it's a bit hard. Jeremy chose Rush 
Alison Frazier chose Ramstein, I mean, I'm yeah, great. I'm gonna I'm gonna get I'm gonna get these theatre people to choose all my albums from now on. It's great. I know, right? Yeah. Um, well, yeah. So uh, obviously, uh, Jeremy, people at home um, may have heard of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, or as it's more commonly known from Hollywood, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, and you were involved with the uh, recent Australian tour. Um, now, I, I want to know, I, I don't know if I'll put this in the episode, I had a bit of a beef about this run, because I noticed your, not your ad campaign, obviously, the producer's ad campaign didn't show anything of the show, nor any of the music. And I sort of found that a bit misleading, because I, I sort of thought they were luring people in thinking they're going to get the movie but they're not getting the movie. Um, that's sort of how I saw it from a, looking at it from a business point of view, like doing the Into, Into the Woods advertisement as a non-musical or Sweeney Todd was advertised as a non-musical. So it tricked, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't mean to offend or anything. I, that's something I observed. Sorry, I don't know. Yeah, look, I, I t- I'm, well, just to clear things, I wasn't in the Resident show. Resident director, was... sorry. I should have clarified that to begin with. <laughs> Um, yeah, that was my yeah, so, first go at being a resident director. So it was a, a you know a huge learning curve for me and and very yep. enjoyable. But I think what you're talking about with the advertising for the show was it was hard to it was hard to promote in the sense that we didn't want to give away any of the surprises in the show. Yeah, I, I can uh, understand that and, sort of point. You of know, view. in the second act, Charlie goes into the chocolate factory, obviously, and yep. we didn't we didn't want to blow any of those big moments you know yeah. when yeah. you know the, there was a moment where the, the Oompa Loompas came on stage and and it was in the contract with the with the rights that we could not show the Oompa Loompas in any way in any of the advertising which is a, a shame but the, you know the benefit was that when people were in the, the show watching the show and that moment happened it would always get a huge response like the, yeah. the audience would just go nuts because they I think I don't know whether they'd forgotten that the Oompa Loompas existed or whether they were coming into the show but they came on and it just brought the roof down because yeah. they the way yeah. we did them in the show it just looked fantastic and I believe it was puppetry. Uh, it was half puppetry. So half puppetry, yeah. you, you had heads sticking out of puppet bodies. So they oh, looked okay. like even in the rehearsal room when we were rehearsing it, I was, you know, sitting at the edge of, you know, just a, a room with no lights or anything like that. And the Oompa Loompas would come on and they were just so lifelike. It was kind of spooky and creepy and weird and scary and wonderful. And it was really great. And, and how yeah. was that um, sort of resident uh, director experience for, for those at home or team metal, I guess uh, the resident director. <laughs> for Gareth. For <laughs> Gareth as well. Could yes. you explain I'll, slowly I'll, using, using small words? Yes. Yeah. What a resident director does. Well, Obviously, like this production was based off the Broadway production, I'm presuming, and not the West End production. Um, yeah, it was based which... on the based 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 on the Broadway. That um, yeah. Jack O'Brien came out. Yeah. His associate Matt Lenz came out as well. So we had the the fan, the the choreographer, and his associate. So we had yeah. the full yeah. production team come out to do it, and so they weren't shy at changing things at all for us. Okay. So. Yeah. It was based more on the American touring version okay, of yeah. the show, which had already been 
kind of honed and tuned up and yep. made better. And then they came out here and tuned it up even more. So yep. my job was to notate the show and to look after it, rehearse that we had four boys that played Charlie and to make sure that they were all working well and mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. uh, to keep the cast in tune and all that sort of stuff. And then when we changed cities, I had to come down to Melbourne to recast the boys and, and train them in. Mm -hmm. And then when we went to Brisbane, I did the same thing. I cast the boys up in Brisbane yeah. and then trained them in. So, you know, my my duties were to just keep the, the show running smoothly and, and yeah. in good shape. Yeah. And that way the, the big Broadway big guns can go off and do their big Broadway big gun productions and us in australia can take care of it yeah they yep. literally leave town the That's day it. after opening night so oh really oh wow they don't, they don't stick around for long <laughs> yeah. yeah just back onto that ad campaign I had a lot of people say to me, is this the movie? Is it not? And I would say, well, that's, I think you're not supposed to know. But I actually didn't know until recently that they had put the movie music into the show for yes. this production because it, it didn't do too well on the West End um, without that music in there. And and Shyman and Whitman are talented as, as friggin' hell. Like, they're so good at what they do. But I, I think the audience wanted that music from the the films i don't yeah know. well it's beautiful music like um yeah, pure, pure imagination, imagination. Yeah. it's one of the great music theater songs and and the candy man opens the show now and so there's you know there's some some great little tunes in it from the show we had the oompa loompa song you know those sort of things are quite iconic and if you don't get yeah. them in the show yeah. i think people felt a little bit uh robbed yeah but yeah we That's had them in our show. yeah that's definitely what happened on west end i think the script was definitely not the script from the film it was it was very different they they the first act was really all about charlie and his journey to actually getting the golden ticket and then the second act was all really all about wonka and his you know his um search for someone to take over the factory so yeah. they had two yeah. very different halves and that was kind of an intentional uh, thing from from jack o'brien like that was such a surprise how that whole thing happened when it was announced and who the composers were, I thought, oh, this is going to be a smash hit. And then it opened on West End and it sort of, yeah, it had to go through those changes. It even had to change director and, and production team altogether. But anyways, that's not about Charlie. This week we are talking about charity. Sweet so charity. Yes, there's a good segue for us. And as I, I said in our introduction, I was 12 years old when my mum bought me a ticket for my birthday, for my 12th birthday, to see this musical, which we did not know. We had no idea what it was about. And I was sitting on the, the balcony, uh, the first balcony, front row, right in the middle, looking down at that bar that came up and all those pretty ladies in their skimpy red and black lingerie leaning over the bar. Singing their Looking Hey Big sexy Spender. As hell. Yes, uh, it was an eyeful, and I felt my mum shift so incredibly uncomfortably in her seat through that <laughs> at least the opening ten minutes or so. But yes, this week we we imposed this CD. We, we imposed the mm. recent Broadway revival from mm. was it 2007 on Is Gareth. That even classed as recent anymore? 2007. Oh well. After the year but we've anyway. all just had, I don't think any of us care about time anymore. <laughs> yeah, that is true. I keep I keep saying, oh, I was here two years ago and I realised that last year's a complete write-off and it was actually more like three or four years ago. Yeah. And since, man, 
Yeah. Also, Jeremy, you may re oh, look, recognize that. Ah, That's right. from the production I had seen. Now, this was an original Australian staging of it that I think it only toured to Melbourne and Sydney, Correct. I believe. Yeah. Uh, no had... Perth show. What a surprise. No, no. And this is actually, Gareth, this is where the expression, a stripper with a heart of gold comes from. Oh, see, I thought that was Ozzy Osbourne. No, Motley Crue. No, no, okay. no, sweet charity. She is the stripper with a heart of gold or the hooker with a heart of gold. And yes, yeah, so anyways, we'll, we'll mm. um, dive into it further, but I'd like to know what Gareth thought of this wonderful, no, iconic musical. Yes, I no, do. No, you don't. No, you don't. Uh, I'm not cold like you. Always like to know what you think. As, as usual, I knew, I knew absolutely nothing about this. And I listened to it probably five or six times before I even read anything into it. And the oh, wow. and what I found okay. out was, so I'm listening to it and I'm going, it's all very familiar and it is, big it? spender. And the yep. first thing I thought was, oh, they're just chucking in a bunch of, you know, let's just make a musical out of a bunch of someone else's songs and let's just put these big hits in there and... <laughs> I'm sitting there going, this is just, this is just fucking lazy. That, I mean, that honestly, does happen. Just a, yeah. <laughs> but not this time. It's a jukebox no, musical full of hits. It yeah. is. Okay, and he's done it to me again. And I did not know. And then if my friends could see me now, which is a, it's another, you know, that was, it's, it was probably a huge hit. And I think it's been covered, I don't know how many times. But Big Spender, I'm sure when I was, you know, knee high to a grasshopper. Um, is it Shirley Bassey did a? She had a bit of yep. a, a hit with Big Spender. Yeah, yeah. So that's where one of them. Yep. That's where many, I knew many, it from. Didn't you know? It, yeah, I mean, she had a lot, but I, I remember that. No, one no. In terms of the, like from the show, the though. That, yeah, yeah. That is, which yeah. is right. So I'm listening. I'm listening to it. I didn't get the. I didn't pick up on the story straight away. And again, I think it's one of those things you've you've got to see it live. To, to, so everything kind of mashes in together and, and it makes sense. Um, I, straight up, between me and at least half of my friends from high school, Christina Applegate, just five stars. <laughs> Who knew she could sing? Can she? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I am. She's very. She's very. She's very. She talented. is very talented. She's more of a so, dancer. That's okay. Because it's a dance show. More than it is a musical, which musical, is a, which is a shame because I've only I haven't seen it, so I've only yeah. I've only heard the music. Um, it's a it's a odd story, and reading mm -hmm. through it, it still doesn't make sense. I still don't know why Charity's boyfriend pushed her in the pond, and and then and then she tries to you know um, she tries to convince herself that he didn't, or I don't know. There was it was a it was a little bit odd and she ends up in a in a in the room with the italian and he shoves her in the closet and makes love to his girlfriend and I was just like okay this is a bit out there yeah and try being 12 she, yeah. <laughs> right. yeah i know but i, I wasn't know. an ignorant child i had uh, seen a lot of stuff before yeah. then but on cinema which is a little bit different to seeing things live on on stage yeah. when you've got yeah. these mean, Bustiers that are yeah. My I'm, memory I'm... is not really helping here, but we were talking <laughs> about shows that are altered and changed. You know, once they've opened and all that sort of thing. Yep. Sweet Charity's yep. got two endings. There's a a sad ending where um, 
Oscar pushes her into the lake and she, you know, she gets out and she's, you know, she goes, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, make it. It's, you know, it, all it does is drive her on to find happiness. Yeah. And there's another mm-hmm. ending where uh, he leaves her, but he can't, can't bear the thought of not having her. So he comes back in the last little moment, last scene is they, um, they make up and they get together. And I can't remember Rich whether we, well, I, I, I know in Melbourne we had the unhappy scene where I, I pushed her in the lake. But, oh, you were yeah. Oscar. Oh, you I was Oscar. Oscar. That was yeah, going to yeah. be one of my questions. I'm like, geez, I yeah. hope you weren't Oscar because he was a dick. Yeah, yeah, he was a dick. But in, I, I, I think, I can't, look, I can't remember, but I think in Sydney we played the happy ending. Um, and there was also two different songs for Oscar at the end of the, uh, the start of the second act where he sings a little love song to Charity. Um, mm. I, I, and again, I can't remember whether I changed from the Melbourne season to the Sydney season playing the two different songs, but yep. there's two different yep. songs for Oscar in that show. Oh, wow. So there you go. There you go. Well, in, in the Melbourne um, production that I saw, scene 11, the park finale, that's all it says. So mm. if, if she gets pushed into a lake, I'm guessing that's going to be in the park. However, oh, if, if he realises that he loves her and goes back to her, that could be anywhere. Both scenes happen in the park. Oh, both. Oh, okay, oh, well then... We're, we're just um, as as um, we have no idea. So this, this is this is you know where I get, I become a little unreliable. You know you have these <laughs> musical theatre people who have got memories like like snapping yeah. traps. You know like they're just yeah. like they remember it like line for line what happens in the, the different ending. And if you were talking to Tony Sheldon, he'd probably tell you exactly what Oscar says and what, you know, Charity says and blah, 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 <laughs> even though he wasn't any, even in the show. But some people have got those kind of minds and I don't have one. Yeah. But I just, I have this vague recollection of, because the other thing too, when we did that production, we had a different director in Sydney. So David Miles directed it in Melbourne and we had a whole kind of big backdrop, which was animated. It was one of the first yes. LED yes. screens yeah, I was that I have seen yeah. in the theatre. It was like this big LED thing, but it was really early technology and so mm-hmm, it was lights, <laughs> we had to keep the show quite dark because the lights would wash out the backdrop which wasn't ideal mm. and so when we went to sydney um david atkins redirected the show and uh we changed the set a lot and i actually got an elevator in the in the um sydney season which we literally it was quite specky we, we got in the elevator together and then it and it kind of broke down halfway up the pros. So we were hot, like suspended in midair and it looked like a real elevator. So it was a bit better. In in the Melbourne season, the, it was a love it was heart a, in the middle like of the stage. Heart, yeah. yeah. So we had to mind elevator. being in an elevator, which was a bit tricky. I do, <laughs> I do remember that. I, um, I, don't, I don't even recall you asking me uh, to tell you any anecdotes about no, please. That's what. That's why we invite people on because to get that insight you can, and you can. And all that. Yeah, look, the, the show was extremely different in Sydney, and uh, yeah, we it was um, just a you know different director, different take on it, and anyway, but it was it was a great fun show. Yeah, uh, just to explain to the people at home uh, about this backdrop, this is something I've always remembered because it it flipped me out like how they or not necessarily how they did it. it was obvious how they did it you know projections and and stuff like that uh but how well those projections all worked 
with these. They were basically just flat. It was it a cityscape? I think it was um, against the wall. So it was it was kind of three D flat shapes of a cityscape. But the projections would take us. For once it would be a cityscape, but then we'd be at a carnival and there'd be sort of a, a Ferris wheel and everything. All these projections fitted in so perfectly with the, the cutouts and the shapes of, of this cityscape. And I was blown away by it because I had never seen... I'd seen Beauty and the Beast by Disney by then. And that was a big show with lots of special effects, right? But you sort of expect that from Disney. Uh, so to see sort of technology and, and stuff like that being used in other... Other shows that weren't Disney weren't, you know, big blockbuster, billion-dollar productions. Mm. Um, and I remember seagulls on it, seagulls being Yeah, protected. that's right. There was a bird that used to fly across the yeah. backdrop and then down, and I think Charity used to kind of go and, I don't know, t- I don't know interact with the bird somehow. I but that backdrop us. almost did our director's head in because I in Tech imagine. Week, when we actually went to light it, every time you know, the lighting designer put a light on, it would affect the backdrop. So, you know, you couldn't you couldn't light the show. And then the spot operators had to be very careful not to shine a spot on the backdrop because otherwise, you know, the, that would wash it out. And yeah. oh, it was just, it was, it was hellish tech week because what we thought we were going to get and what we got were quite two different things. And we had to work out how, because it was, as, as I said, brand new technology where they went, Oh, this will be good. Won't it? But I mean, yeah. it's really good now, but it, is, isn't it? And it was not really good. I, I, I do think whilst <laughs> I look, I, I love, um, I, I love being able to, to transport your audience on a stage this is why i love theater but i do think that these projections are being overused a lot of the times uh, in australia we had the professional hairspray tour which was completely different to broadway and it was a moving cartoon there were screens was pretty much the only set was these screens that would play these ca- cartoon imagery uh of moving sets and stuff like that, like streetscapes and stuff like that. And whilst it was visually spectacular, I miss those sets. I miss things popping up from from or popping down from the fly tower or some huge thing coming up from from the bottom of the stage. And and so I do long for them to use it more sparingly. Use it behind windows and stuff like that. I I think to to expand beyond the physical set that you've got but then they turn around and say oh but sets distract from the story but what is technology doing other than distracting from the story half the time so that's just my personal opinion i I do think they're they're being being used a bit too much i think Mm. for some yeah i think it needs to support what's going on on stage not over overwhelm it yeah i want to see that craftsmanship you know that yeah. those sets that have been a, a set that could maybe only be two meters deep, but when you're looking at it from the audience, it looks like a friggin' house or something like that. And because mm-hmm. it, it, of the dimensions mm-hmm. and the way they've the perspective that they've they've built it, that's why I love theater. So I do long for that, but I know that they want to get bums on seats, and that the more I'm guessing. Yeah, we well, you know, we had a lot of back, back <laughs> a lot of um, projections and black backdrops and oh, all that. Yeah. But it, it kind of worked in that show because in the first act, it was pretty much just uh, creating a space, and it was black and white. Not there was very little color. Yeah. 
-hmm. And then when you went into the factory, suddenly all of the the um, the wizardry, the technology came into play. So there was yeah. incredible, you know, projections and spaces created on the backdrops with the with the um, LED lights, and yeah. so that yeah. that worked really well. But uh, I think that's the sort of show that can can take it. I haven't seen Aladdin, but I imagine something similar would happen in Aladdin or Frozen or you know something like um, that. Yeah, no, the, there, there wasn't the, actually projections in Aladdin, which I was no, thankful there wasn't, for. There, I was so thankful. The, there were the, sets. The party trick. The party trick I saw is they made the, you know, the magic carpet fly, and um, yeah. you couldn't see that. You couldn't see them, so they did it quite well. Although, that's I didn't see the whole production. That, that sarcasm you know. in your voice. No, no, just... you couldn't see. It was it was actually quite well yeah, done. And you when could. we and when we met the cast afterwards, they actually said to us, "Ask us anything, but don't ask us about the flying carpet," because I think they'd been probably bored to death with. Um, talking about the flying carpet so yeah look but that was but the rest yeah. of it there was no production the rest of it was just kind of um more more a traditional traditional set we had a really great uh trick in charlie where he writes a letter to wonka and he he folds up the letter as he's singing a, a song to him and uh then the letter that he's just written and folded up he picks up and he throws it and it's connected to a little wire that you cannot see, like it's impossible to see it. And then it flies right up through the theatre and up into the roof of the theatre. And cool. uh, every single show would take the audience's breath away. Just a simple yeah. thing like yeah. that was uh, yeah. was brilliant because it's just a, this little tiny, this tiny little boy on stage singing a song, you know, writing a letter, folding the letter into a plane, and then off it goes. It, it was just a beautiful moment. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So that's the sort of reason why I love theatre. Just the physical magic of it. What do you How when you, when you talk about the the little boy on stage and with Charlie, obviously when you when you've got when you've cast children, you've got multiples. Um, same with Billy Elliot. I mean, what what age are we looking at here of a of a of a young boy standing there belting it out in front of a theatre full of people? Um, you broke up quite badly then, but I think what you asked me was was uh, how old were the boys in the Charlie yeah. show? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, we had a casting range of between nine and 12, I believe. And so we would just look at more, more so how tall they were and how mature they were. We want the, the younger looking, the better. In Melbourne, we cast a, a boy who was actually going to turn 13 during our season. And we were really worried that he was going to go into puberty. And the minute Charlie goes into puberty, it's just, it's all, all better off because it really has got to be about a, a boy, you know, not a, a, not a, a pubescent young man, you know. So yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we usually cast four kids for that role but mm -hmm. in melbourne we cast five because we thought well what if we lose one halfway through the season so but we, <laughs> yeah. we didn't in yeah. fact he was so brilliant this kid he you know he he had a beautiful sort of childlike nature on stage but when he came off he was so bright and he would speak to you like an adult you know he's just i, I said to him um when he did his final show in Melbourne, you know, all of the other boys were really upset. Everyone was like, oh, we're going to lose you. Da, da, da. And I said to him before the show, I said, how do you feel about it being your last show? And he looked at me and he said, Jeremy, 
I'm just going with the flow. <laughs> and I was like, you know, that's the way, pal. You know, that's 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 you know his version of life. But yeah, he he was terrific. So the youngest I think we had was, uh, and the oldest was turning thirteen. So the the you could tell just in terms of. You know, kids between those ages, there's a big difference in terms of their development. So some kids, you had to really coach them super hard, you know, just really give them lots and lots and lots of help. Um, But fortunately, we had uh, three boys that we cast in Melbourne that had all done quite a lot of theatre. You know, there's kids that had done Priscilla and Kinky Boots and Les Mis and Boy From Oz. And, you know, some some of these kids had a, a bigger CV than some of the kids in our ensemble, you know, the adults. <laughs> it's like, wow. So they were really super professional. And um, they had a few tricks that had to just coach out of them. Yes. But, uh, yeah, it was... It, it, I, it's I love working with kids. They're, you know, it was very special time, and and we had some really bright sparks. Yeah, is there a particular musical that you're longing to direct to get your hands on to? Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd. Oh yeah, Gareth loved that one too. He was so thrilled by that one. I think Sweeney Todd's probably the best musical ever written. It's fantastic. This, this, um, this guy, I'm, I'm telling Jeremy what I have put up with for the past 20 something episodes has been awful. All these amazing musicals, and he's just like, no, it's awful. This is why I don't no, like musicals. I, I think I, I said done right. Swin- t- one. Yeah, but you gave it one star. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you know what? I, I, I hate to kind of get in between the two of you here, but that's perfectly fine by in my book. I can understand why people would not like Sometime. Yeah. Sometime oh, is, is. Really, yeah. really difficult. And you can hear a song from Sometime and go, what was that? And then mm-hmm. listen to it three or four yeah. more times and just go, what it was, was a work of genius. Yep. But not all people have got that gene. I, my no. younger brother is a musical theatre hater and, you know, <laughs> a couple of times I've put him through coming to see me in musicals and he's hated the experience so much. Um, <laughs> but he didn't bother coming to see me in Priscilla. He saw me in, yeah. in um, uh, what was it, uh, South Pacific, okay. and just, uh, which was a show I was really proud of. I thought it was a beautiful production and he hated it. Oh, really? He, he hated so, you know, I, I kind of live alongside people who hate musical theatre. And I kind of get it. It's like musical theatre is, you know, it's not for everybody. No. But at the same time, I've got to tell you, neither is heavy metal. No, yeah, exactly. Oh, and absolutely. that's what this show is for, whole... is, is for both sides to, to come together absolutely. and see what we see in our respective worlds, basically. I actually have to sit to the, in the, the position where, you know, like I listen to death metal and I go... What, how can anyone ever, ever like respond to that in a positive way? Like, what is what is death metal to the world? And then I have to put you, you have to put yourself in that position. And go well. Some people listen to music theatre and think the same thing. They do. So, yeah, yeah. You know, why would you? Why I get it all. I get it. I just happen to kind of. I'm I move in in all kinds of territories. I like all sorts of different things. Yeah. But that, yeah, that, that's my answer. Is is Sweeney Todd? I'm, you know, I'm 
I almost, I almost got my hands on a production once, and it didn't didn't come off. I was like, oh damn. But uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to direct it one day. Do you have your leads in mind? Like, who would be your ideal Nelly and and Sweeney? Oh God, that's a good question. Yeah. No, I do not. Really? No, I do not. Right. Um, I, one of my best mates is a, a fellow called Greg Stone. I reckon he'd be a pretty damn good Sweeney Todd. Yeah, I um, I'd I'd like because we we've talked obviously with metal and musicals together, and we we talked about uh Sweeney Todd in the metal version or the the prog metal version that there is. Uh, mm. there there is a couple of Australian metal musicians. One of them's Jim Gray from Caligula's Horse. Yeah, with a bit of training, I, he might have a really good voice for it. Possibly with a bit of train. I'll I'll let Jim know. Hang on, hang on. Singing in musical (laughs) theatre is a little bit different to singing in a rock band, buddy. So you do need to train your voice there because you're holding notes. You're singing in a different style, okay? It's not to offend You're doing eight shows a week too. And you're doing eight shows a week, so you need to learn your stamina there. Plus you're acting at the same time. You're acting while you're singing. You're singing through your eyes, which is an expression that is just ridiculous, but apparently we sing through our eyes. Sometimes Um, Maybe I should listen to them through my eyes more. Yes, maybe I think make, so. Maybe that'll make Pay better I'll attention. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so we'll, we'll round up on, <clears throat> on Sweet Charity because I, mm. I still don't know if, Gareth, you liked no. that. No, it, su- it surprised me. It surprised It surprised you? me. Okay. It surprised Familiar? me. As, as I said, I, I listened to it and then I, and I, put it, I put it in the bin of um, you've just chucked a bunch of, you know. Songs together. Popular songs together. And, hey, look, we made it fit. And then those songs actually came from it, which every time that happens, and I should I should know by now, yes, that some some of these songs, especially these ones from the from the fifties and sixties, whatever yeah. that. Um, but I, I did. Yeah. Guys and dolls would be the same. Yeah, yeah. And, um, I haven't. Yeah, uh, game. Although we did we did Hello Dolly, and I didn't hate that. You didn't, High society's um, the same. It's full of hits. Now you played um, Cornelius, was it? Oh. Barnaby, in a, I played Cornelius Hackle. Yeah. Yes, in a. We're going to Dolly. New York, Barnaby. Yeah. Yeah, we we'll played that, and yeah. That was that was our first episode, and I was quite surprised by how Gareth took to that one, but of course Who it was all downhill from there. For, for Hello Dolly. No oh, one. We were, uh, no one. Just oh, us. Solo. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We went. We went six whole episodes together before we decided we need and we decided we needed a referee we need <laughs> yeah. to stick someone in the middle <laughs> we need someone to, to separate she's lovely uh, i know right but anyways yeah. um sweet yeah i'll tell you what sweet charity i would i would go yeah. and see a production of this of course you would you pervert I'm not, look i don't again you know like death metal isn't for some people this sort of this sort of yeah. thing's not not really for me I, I don't i don't love the music i i know a few of the songs Obviously, look, I'd I'd go and it's it's not it's it's not terrible at all. <laughs> this is not high praise, I know. It's sweet. Look, it's it's not my thing. Look, it is a little bit sweet, and it's still it's still a little bit confusing for me, um, the the storyline. But I I think again, if I think if I saw it, um, a, a production of it, I'd I'd probably appreciate it a bit if, more. But it's you know it's a yeah. it's a, a fun story, and I you, you've got to think when it came out, it was a little bit probably more than a little bit risque which is one which is one thing that i'm finding out about musical theater is they really push the envelope 
and have been for obviously decades. Oh yeah, which is something as someone who is, I'm I'm square. I'm with your brother um, in the I hate musical theatre, but um, I don't. Not um, anymore, you do. But, um, no, there's 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 little gems out there. But yeah, this is the, that's the one thing, and I think that makes you know I appreciate the fact that they, these guys are out there because from an outsider, you're just looking at big cheesy numbers and jazz hands and and all this sort of thing, and everything's a, a big production, and um, and off we go. But when you when you dig into it, I mean, there's a yeah, there's a there's a fair bit of subversion going on, and I I do like that. I love that. There so, is. Look, I'm out of out of five. This is a solid three, which is wow. Yeah, yeah. wow. Yeah. I was For not me expecting is. that. For- <laughs> also, Christina Applegate. So well, yeah. I do. I, that's why I picked that one because I knew that you could have <laughs> yeah, resist yeah, Kelly yeah, Bundy. Me, me and yeah, me and half of my year ten you know, high school class was uh, exactly yeah, um, Kelly Bundy. Yeah, it's, it's and she's. Uh, I didn't realize she's fifty this year. I was oh, thinking. If I look half as good, you do not stand a chance age. with her, Gareth. You do not even entertain <laughs> yeah, no, like, the idea. You stand right. zero chance with Christina no, Applegate. I, no, no, um, no. Yeah, that's that's part part of the reason why I chose this album. But I tell you what, Sweet Charity is probably the one musical that I personally personally relate to the most because right. that's my life is one hapless situation the, after the other. The- and me like, getting up, brushing myself off, and laughing it off, and and mm. doing it all over again the next day. But there have been moments in my life, as, as you would know, where I've been working with people that are so far above my pay grade, or people that I've admired. I mean, here I am sitting here with my personal hero on my show, right? That's how I often. Oh, have Jer- felt. Jeremy, sorry. Yes, sorry. I I thought you were talking. Oh. Okay. <laughs> no, sorry. I thought that was me again. I was going to blush. Yet again, your jokes do not land. <laughs> Anyways, um, what I'm saying is that that's how I often feel uh, in the song, um, if they could see me now. But also, I'm the bravest individual because all of those things that I've achieved in life and worked with those people have been my courage to message people or to email or to phone call to, to create those opportunities for myself. That's a great, that's a great song. That's a great song. Just a standalone a, song. That's yeah. a great song. I'm yeah. the bravest individual. Yeah. Yeah. It is, isn't it? Um, but yeah, so it's all these songs and the rhythm of life, obviously, and I don't know about you, but now, after episode 10, I cannot hear that song without hearing the great wisdom of our friend Jonathan X, mm. who just directed the Oscars nomination show yesterday. So if you saw that on YouTube, saw that. he was the one saying, camera one, all right, switch to camera two. All right, that. we're going to cut to this clip now and, and all that. So... Uh, well done on that. It didn't mm. uh, fall apart at the seams again, mm. thanks to good old Jonathan. But I always hear his wisdom in that song now because he talks about the rhythm of life and that's how yeah. he directs. So you would have yep. heard that song on a car commercial recently too. I see. I don't, and this is going to sound, I just don't watch commercial television. I just, oh. I don't. Well, neither I do don't. I, but even I've seen that commercial. Not if I can, not if I can help it. It's got to be pretty, it's got to be a pretty good drama for me to, yeah. to tune in to commercial TV. So, yeah. But you would That's see this me. live. Wow. No, I would. I, if, <laughs> so, if there was a production and it came to Perth, yeah. um, yes, I would see it. Gareth has a theory about male <laughs> characters in musicals that they are either douchebags or morons. Yeah. Would you yeah. agree or disagree <laughs> having played Oscar, who we have established is a bit of a dick? It's a bit of a dick. Yeah. Oh, 
I look, no, I don't think it, that is that is a t it's, a, it's a metal generalization. <laughs> it is, so isn't it? Of it's simplistic. Males in musical theatre. However, um, I make character you know, characters. There's some the characters, not the actors. No, we're not. No, we're not insulting you personally. We're, we're, no, no, no. no. I, I, wasn't, I didn't take it character. as that. Okay. No, I'm just kind of thinking back through the, the characters that I've played, and I, I think you know if you can consider Buddy a a character in musical theatre, he was, you know, hugely uh, heroic. Um, yeah, he was. I don't know. Um, yes, Oscar Lindquist, yes. Um, Cornelius Hackle, yes. But, you know, flawed yeah, people Cornelius. who are, yeah. are striving for something and need to be taught, you know, um, are women more heroic in musical theatre? Possibly. I don't I know. They, yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't know. But it is Women's, a discussion yeah. to be had. Yeah. I, I think so. And I'm not saying that it needs to change at all. It's just a theory. <laughs> we we both have our ongoing theories in this show that we're exploring, basically, and that's that's well, his. Yeah. Um, so I thought it, I'd bring that up. My my theory started with Hello Dolly, completely baseless theory, but it started with Hello Dolly because I thought, look at all the male the male lead in this. I can't remember the the boss's name. He was he was just a horrible person. And I thought, look Man, at all these are. females. They're just running roughshod over, um, you know, and Barnaby and Cornelius. I'm like, guys, there's more to life than getting kissed, honestly. So get, but, yeah, so. get your act together. No, I, yeah. I, I think you've got. There's, a, there's definitely a theory there. I think yeah. perhaps there's, uh, you know, there's a PhD to be had somewhere, a thesis to be done. There's my PhD. I've been God, looking you for it. Feeding for his ego. I'm the one that's going to have to put up with this ego for the next however many weeks as he as he tries to prove his point even further. No, um, I don't. You, you're not you're not wrong. I I don't think like musicals yeah. are very much star even, vehicles yeah. a lot of times for the female. Yeah. In yeah. a way, I think Good. that's Mama Rose, who you wouldn't know who Mama Rose is. So nod and smile, Gareth. That's that whole show is a a star vehicle for Mama Rose. Very much so. Um, okay. And then, you know, Hello Dolly and Mame, things like that. Um, I but I then, don't know that one either. trying to think of a male musical that does have a single male showcase role like that. Oh, Hamilton, which I haven't seen. Would you, would you say, though? I because I don't know. that's I such seen. <laughs> an ensemble piece. Yeah, so, I don't know. Whereas with I the males, know. it seems to be like duos. Like um, the producers and stuff like that, where there's two of them. But I trying mm. to think of oh, I mean, Le Cage of Fall with Albin. Oh, of course. No, I don't know. You don't know what that Les is. Les Misérables. Oh, of, yeah, but then, but also with Les Mis, it's the two of them. It is a duo of of Valjean and Javert that I th I personally think are showcased in that. Um, yeah, but every every protagonist is going to have an antagonist. So well, that's true. Yeah. yeah. That's true. I mean, really, Les Mis follows. Jean Valjean through his, you know, the trial. It just happens to have a very strong antagonist in the show. Yeah. And along yeah. the way, you know, there's all sorts of stuff. But he, he's the one who drives us through that show. What did you think of that movie? Off topic. I thought it was diabolical. <laughs> what about Cats? Have you seen Cats? Oh, I no. Seen I, I, my son watched it and uh, he said, Dad, it was... It was the closest thing I imagined to being on acid and not in a good way. Really? So, you know what? I thought it was so wonderful for being so dumb. Yeah. It's one of, one of those best, best worst movie 
it, it is, it yeah. is. But like the, the the sets and all that were fun. Yeah, I don't, so. I don't think it, it's not quite the room. So, yeah. but anyway, well, I, mean, I, didn't that's, see that's, it. I actually quite liked cats on on the stage. I know that. <laughs> I mean, I can hear my brother behind me, like hands facing his hands going no I, I can hear the theater community doing that at the moment because no, I, I, I think cats is guy really enjoyed it. I, last production i saw of cats i went with a uh, i took one of our neighbors she and you know she had never been to a proscenium march theater before she'd oh, never wow. seen a big musical she was oh, she wow. must have been 12 or 13 and i took her to the preview of Cats at the Regent Theatre in Melbourne because um, some friends of mine were in it and uh, we were sitting on the aisle and so when the show started and the cats came down the aisle and they looked at her and stuff, she was like, oh. even just being in the theatre was this incredible thrill for her. Like she, she was so excited about everything and then watching some mm-hmm. So I saw the show uh, through the prism of being with her i think yeah. and also yeah. that production was sung really well like usually cats isn't sung very well but yeah it sung really well and uh i went you know what it's kind of daggy and dated yeah. as cats yeah. is i really enjoyed yeah. sitting there yeah. with yeah. that young lady watching the show and it was a privilege to, to kind of share that theater experience you know so yeah. to all those people going oh you're a big dag jeremy it's like well you you know this you can get you can get cynical about all sorts of stuff, but there are some, you know, pretty extraordinary things about that show. Yeah. Mm. It was a hit for a reason. It was. I did I did the same thing with my youngest daughter with Matilda. I took her and I I saw Matilda in Melbourne and I flew back to Perth and I was, and then I took my youngest daughter and said, You you need to see this. And yeah, doing the same thing, watching it through through her and the way that she reacted to it and she was she was probably 10 at the time, I'm guessing. Um, I'd have to look it up. But it was just, yeah, just that joy and the wonder. Um, I'm sitting there and going, okay, yeah, now I now I get it. Um, and I ended up seeing that show three times, which was which was quite bizarre. But- I saw Lion King on the opening night in Melbourne when it first came out here, just with my wife and I went. And I, and I remember thinking, I appreciate this show, but I would absolutely love it if I had my kids here. Yeah. I hated it. Lion King. I did not like it at all. I was so disappointed. It was messy and childish and Mm. it was a a letdown. I had such high hopes like you wouldn't believe. But anyways, uh, that's another story. But no, no, I I totally get it. Had that experience in the theatre watching you in Buddy Holly, in Buddy, with those sets and and all that, that, that thrill of that excitement and all that. So I know exactly what you're, you're talking about there in, in terms of seeing cats through, uh, through that child's eyes, because that was me, you know, and, and, and mm-hmm. that's why I'm here today. That's why I've, I've done all the things since then. Like, yeah, and they- I know that's, that's, that's a story so you hear so often of, of children or even adults sitting in their first theater show in a big theater and just being blown away by what they're seeing. The, you know? the root, the reverse, I can tell you, the reverse is not true. You can you can take a fourteen year old to an Alice Cooper concert, and she is not <laughs> going to enjoy it the same way her dad is. Yeah. No. I saw Alice Cooper in nineteen seventy five, I think. Oh wow! At, at Festival Hall in Melbourne, yeah. it was great. Oh, yeah. The same year I saw Queen, it was like uh, uh, just. Oh. 
Okay. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. I was four, so I'm, I'm, but I'm still a bit jealous. So um, yeah. Actually, Queen was Queen and Alice Cooper were the the last two, two of the last three international acts I saw just before COVID hit in in 2019. So they were both in in February. So um, yes, it was it was you know going through your Facebook and the silly things pop up, and I thought, oh god. That was yeah. That was COVID. <laughs> that was COVID year, and then everything yeah, everything all went to hell. So mm-hmm. yeah, Queen with Adam Lambert. There's a there's a guy that can sing. So yeah, that was yeah, great. I, I quite like show. Adam Lambert, and also he is from musical theatre. And Alice Cooper played King Herod in Jesus Christ Superstar. So there we go. That's another. Everyone knows the show. I've never seen it. I've never heard it. So it's oh, another it's, one of those. It's, it's fantastic. It's one of those. It's like Charlie and and Charlie in the Chocolate Factory is. It's it's just become part of popular culture. It's the, and the songs and everyone knows what a Oompa Loompa is and yeah. everyone knows the golden ticket and, and Willy Wonka and, and that sort of thing. And you don't even have to be, have know anything about musical theater and um, they just all, That's because it was of, a movie. I'm sure the you know, the, the movie had a lot to do with it, yeah. but um, you know, people it's, it's, it's sort of part of, it's now just part of our popular culture and yeah. it's, it's quite amazing how it sort of crosses over like that. I think it was Sammy Davis Sorry. Jr. had the popular cover of Candyman. Was it Sammy Davis Jr.? I'm going to say yes, it was. It was him. Just say uh, yes. it was. Um, yep. No, we, I shouldn't uh, get back onto Charlie because we're actually giving you that CD next week, the Broadway cast that has oh, F. Boy. Michael on it. Okay. Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. He played Augustus Gloop in that okay. show. So right. you'll be... Diving into that one next week. Um, Let's do that. Okay. Yes, I believe you have a, a couple of questions for Jeremy. Um, that is, do I? Okay, I was going to ask because yes, um, because I'm not a musical <laughs> theatre person, and when Aaron said we're having Jeremy Stanford on, and I'm like, I know that name, um, and you've done some TV, and I've seen you in Jack Irish in a, and um, one one episode of Wentworth and a, and a few others. Um, and I then I suddenly remembered you were in Satisfaction, which is probably one of my favourite shows, which no one seems to have heard of. Yeah, well, it's linked now to Sweet Charity because we've got the whole dance hall hostesses and the <laughs> yeah. so there was, yeah. pretty ladies and so, Hey Big Spender. Yeah. But I was, and I didn't realise this until you sort of started talking about so much musical theatre. I was going, where does is the love spread evenly over TV and theatre, or is the one that you just go, I would just I'm going to jump at whatever I'm, uh, what I'm offered first. Um, uh, yeah, you, know, you could not split it really. I, I think one of, one of the funnest shows I did on TV was a kid's show called Silver Sun, where yeah. I was playing the commander of a spaceship going to, you know, another planet, taking a whole cargo of frozen humans that once we got there, we were going to repopulate the, you know, the planet. And, and look, it was so, so much fun because every week we had a different script, which was, you know, encountering all sorts of aliens. And, you know, it was like, it was like being in Star Trek. It was, you know, my, my childhood fantasies come true. It was great fun. So, you know, that was, it was, it was very, very dear to me, that show being in it. Just as, you know, I've been really fortunate to have, you know, I mean, Buddy was, a, you know, such a fantastic coup for me as a, an actor because I play guitar and I sing and so it utilised all my skills and, you know, but at the end of every show we'd have the audience up dancing on their feet and going crazy. Yeah. So 
in my book, I've been really fortunate to have fun things, like really satisfying fun shows in the theatre, but also some great, great times shooting TV and, you know. So I think my, my whole policy as an artist over my career is, you know, just keep doing different things. You know, I do a lot of writing now. I've released a novel and I'm writing more and... Um, I've directed a feature film and I've, I've, um, I've directed musicals and plays and stuff. So I just try and keep, I just try and keep it all bubbling along. You know, it's just, there's always something new to discover in this biz. So that's my policy. And I couldn't, I couldn't tell you what I'd prefer to do. If someone offered me a great TV job, I'd jump at it as I would yeah. with a great on the theatre. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, but, you know, sort of, post or still COVID, you you take anything that, that you're offered to at the moment, so I guess. So. Well, you know, at the moment, because it is still, you know, quiet. I mean, TV and film are, are opening up a bit, but uh, um, a pal of mine and I, just we're just doing um, a duo playing music in bars at the moment. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> playing awesome. glam rock, playing acoustic glam rock in bars. Yeah. And, oh, really? uh, it's just in Melbourne. Incredible. Yeah. Oh, okay. We call ourselves Glam Jam. Glam Jam, I'll have to look out for you because I'm, I'm in Melbourne, but Garris in Perth, so. Oh, there you go. Well, look us up on, on Facebook. We've got a yeah. little Facebook page called Glam Jam. But, you know, that's just both of us are actors and we, you know, we played in a band years ago called the Melody Lords, which was a glam rock band. And we, we're sort of doing the same sort of shtick, but it's great fun and it, it keeps us yeah. going creatively and people who come to love it, they just have such a good time. And yeah. so, yeah. you know. And we're, yeah. so, we're so lucky. Being in Australia and being able to still do that and mm-hmm. that you can still, that you can still perform and you're still, yeah. you're still working and. Yeah, that's that sort of thing. So, I mean, Melbourne had it probably a bit harder than the rest of the country, but yeah. um, you know, it's it's quite a, it's quite amazing when you look around the world and you just see that, um, yeah, how how far we've come and yeah, how how sort of healthy things are at the moment. So yeah, fingers crossed it it keeps going and you know because yeah, without the arts, where are we? Exactly. So bored. Yeah. Bored at home, complaining like that you've got up. nothing to watch, you've got nothing to listen to, you've got nothing to yeah. read. I read the comments. Yeah. I read it all the time. And then people turn around and say, oh, fucking Hollywood. Make <laughs> up your minds. Do you need something to watch or is it fucking Hollywood? Like, you can't have it both ways, people. Seriously. Yeah. But anyways, thank God for okay. entertainment. Anyways. Um, anyway. Yeah, no, I think we've, uh, we won't keep you any longer. So thank you very, very much for joining us. Um, you My say, pleasure, lads. Yep. Congratulations on your podcast. No, thank you very much. My thank pleasure to come along. We have we have a whole five listeners, so it's not <laughs> <laughs> not, not quite crash- congratulations. Yes, uh, yet, but we have had some amazing guests on so far who have who believe in this silly little format that we are doing, uh, believing fine. in it enough to give up their reputation to join us, <laughs> and we are so eternally grateful because we just want to. When we just want to make people laugh and bring worlds together, two yeah, different worlds. Exactly. And, yeah. and after the last right. year we've had, I think we all kind of do need that. The world needs a laugh. Yeah, it does. Mm. It really, really does. But yeah, right. uh, oh, no, one, okay. one, sorry, one last thing. I've I've performed a couple of songs from Sweet Charity on stage in reviews, and we did Rhythm of Life. Um, but we also did us boys in our acting class. We did 
Hey Big Spender, dressed up in sports gear, talking about gambling at 13, 14 years old. Okay. So we were, we were guys at a bar. We were, so we were having beers and all that on, on stage, pretending to drink beer. And we were betting on sports. And that was our interpretation of Hey Big Spender. So, <laughs> okay. That was my acting teacher who I won't name because I won't get her in trouble for these maybe poor decisions that she made for us when we were mm. children. And she was an adult and knew better. Mm. Could you imagine All that right. today, though? The show would be cancelled. Anyway, yes. on that note. Yes, on that note. Thank you very much, yes. Jeremy, for joining us. Where can people find you on uh, Twitters and social medias? Oh, I've got a website, jeremystanford.com.au. Yep. Facebook. Yep. Whatever. You got a novel yeah. out, which, how did I not know this in my research? I, ah, I've well, had a month. It's, um, <laughs> it's a novel called Rapture, um, and it came out in 2018, and I've got another couple, hopefully someone will publish them. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so there you go. Thank you so much, I know guys. Like. No, thank you. Thanks, thank you very much, Gareth. Excellent show today. And, Thank oh, you. we should swap albums for next week. I'm giving you Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and you are giving me Metallica, Symphony, and Metallica. We are breaking the rules this week, beca- uh, next okay. week, because of the Children of Bodom disaster, where Gareth decided to do that to me. So yep. he's owed one, okay. a five-star album. That's next week with F. Michael Haney from Broadway. So looking forward to that chat. So you at home, take care, and we shall see you next time. Hooray. Hooray. Excellent. <laughs>